Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 10.45 a.m. Today's message is Family Drama. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. Well, as uh, we go through the season of Advent, um, that is traditionally uh, the four weeks leading up to, to Christmas. And, and Advent is, simply means a coming or a preparation, and, and that's, that's what we're going to focus on. And one thing that we've done the last few years, and we're going to continue that uh, this year, is we're going to watch an Advent video um, each week. And the four themes of Advent um, are hope, love, joy, and peace. And, and so we're going to hit each one of those themes. Of course, um, you, you don't have to be a theologian to realize those are the themes throughout the Bible, right? We see those themes um, uh, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, but specifically during the season of Advent, we focus on, on those themes and the hope that we have um, in Christ. And so just uh, open up your hearts to, to hear what God has to say to you today as we watch our Advent video for this week. We don't have to look at the pain. We don't have to look at the suffering. We don't even have to look at each other. The dark feels safe. But something happens when we light a candle in a dark room. We can't call it dark anymore. One light gives hope. One light illuminates the way for more. One light shows us all is not lost. All is not dark. In a crazy, dark, and noisy world, one light of hope may be enough. Enough to see the world isn't as scary as we thought. Despite those who may say otherwise, There is hope for our future. There is hope for our families. There is hope for the world. We will light the first candle. Now we can see the way to light others. We will be the light. We will bring the hope, the hope of Jesus to the world. I think we need to be very intentional about reminding ourselves uh, of, those, of those themes of Advent. Um, and not just during this time of year, but, but all throughout the year. But for sure remembering uh, the hope that, that we do have in Christ. The hope that, that brings light into a dark world. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're really excited to get going and you're excited about the opportunity, but then you get kind of in the middle of it and you start thinking, what have I got myself into? Right? Um, I can remember as a kid, some of you may be thinking about that, about the Salvation Army things. Like, okay, maybe I'll do it. And then that's why it's only an hour. Your, your, your wrist can handle one hour of ringing. 
But uh, I remember as a kid, our church, we went to the First Methodist Church in Sterling City, and uh, we would do a live nativity every year. And, uh, and the live nativity, we were right on the corner of Highway 87, which is a major highway, and then a, and another little uh, county or state highway. And so it was, it was fairly well-traveled. And they would build a, a manger scene out, out there. And, of course, being in rural West Texas, you have all kinds of a- animals, whether they were at the original one or not. I don't know, but they were at ours. And, uh, and it was something that the youth would always do. And, uh, and so I can remember going and seeing the, the youth whenever I was a kid and, and how cool it was. And it, and it was. It was really neat to, to see that. And so I remember looking forward to being able to participate in the live nativity scene. And, uh, and I remember, I can't remember if I was probably 7th, 8th grade or ninth grade, one of those uh, areas. And uh, I can remember it was our, our year and it was time to do it. And you go and you're so excited. And then you kind of realize things aren't quite exactly what you expect them to be. Right, the those you know the little costumes that looked so cool to me as a kid. I was like, "You're really wanting me to wear that?" You know, because they were just so so simple and everything. But yes, we wore that. And then, of course, that night it was like 28 degrees, and and they you would keep getting stressed. Okay, you get this is serious, right? You don't want to be cutting up, which you don't. You're you're presenting this. Live nativity scene, and uh, and so you need to be still. You don't need to be talking, stuff like that. And so I was going out, and I think I was a shepherd or something. And I can remember standing there, just you know, and uh, and I was and, and now be still, be still. I'm like I'm freezing to death, you know. And uh, and so in the middle, I'm like, why did I ever want to do this? You know, and I was start really rethinking your decisions. And uh, but you know, and then it ended up we got to go back in, and then you can get hot chocolate, right? And then they play games. That's what you do for youth: is you get them to do something serious, and then you give them lots of sugar and play games. And uh, and so it ended up it was a, it was an overall good experience. But there was a time in there that I started rethinking: what am I doing? What did I get myself into? And you know, I think that's kind of. <laughs> The reality is that's kind of like what life is like a lot, right? Is that we, there are those moments in time and those moments in our life where we start thinking, man, how did I get here? Why did I get here? What can I do to get out of this, right? And, and I, I want to look at um, just one verse today, and we're going we're gonna to talk about Jesus' family. And uh, we're going to talk about all of Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus' family but I want to read a, a, one verse today, very simple. Um, it's, just, it's a very powerful verse. It's uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, it's verse 19. And of course, I lost my, my spot. I'm having to play sword drill here. That's, uh, that's scary. But uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 19, says this. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Right, so let's think about what are all of those things. Well, there's been quite a few things that have already happened. Um, they've already gone through a, a, what would have probably been a pretty tumultuous nine months of preparing for the birth. Uh, then they, of course, had to travel um, whenever she was uh, late in her pregnancy. Uh, and now there's a bunch of stinky shepherds that have decided to show up at the stable where she had to give birth to her first child. 
right? A lot of things that if you kind of look at from a practical standpoint are not too ideal, right? But, uh, but it's an amazing moment, and this is an amazing scripture because you have this wonderful picture of Mary sitting there looking into the face of her child and thinking about all of these things and holding them in her heart because you know that this is going to change the course of her life forever, right? But I, I think that she wasn't just thinking about the things that were past. I'm sure she was thinking about the things ahead, too. Right? Don't you remember if you've had children, whenever you have that first child, some of the things that you think of are, man, what, imagine the life of this child. You know, and, and you start thinking, how can I help? In the, you know, my, it's my job is to, to bring them up and to give them a, a good future. Right? And so you start thinking about all of those things. And so Mary must have been thinking about those things as well. You know, and <laughs> whenever you're in that moment, most of the time you're not thinking of all the, the negative, difficult things that may come your way. One, because you don't know what they're going to be. Right? But, but a lot of times in those kind of moments, we look at it with excitement. We know that it's going to be difficult, but we're like, no, we're ready. We, we can do this. We're excited about this. And that's this, this verse. That's Mary, it's just a powerful, uh, powerful verse that she's pondering all of these things in her heart. She's excited about the future. She's excited about what God is going to be doing. But yet, Jesus' family and their life, it was not an easy road. You know, and, and a lot of times we talk about... <laughs> people who have accepted God's calling in their life. And we talk about the, the success stories. Right? And we kind of look at it as, um, oh, look at what happened. They were faithful and they followed God. And look at, at how everything worked out. You know, they impacted the world. They started a huge church. They, whatever, whatever it was. What we usually don't read about or talk about are those people who were faithful to God and things didn't really work out. Right? Being faithful to God doesn't always lead to earthly success. Right? And, and sometimes we kind of look at these, these cases of people who have done unbelievable things because they were faithful, and we think, oh, it must have just been so easy for them. Look at how God just opened all the doors for them. And, uh, and that, that is, is, uh, is not the case for most people. So I want to look at Jesus' family's life. I want to look at their life and how, um, <laughs> how difficult a road they had. So we just go back a few months from when Mary would have been pondering all of these things. Right? She and Joseph were people who loved God, clearly. They, they were faithful to God, but they were just normal people. There was nothing overly special about them. Right? But yet, they get visited by an angel. And both of them are asked to do something that would be life-changing. And in fact, they're asked to do something that the world around them, society around them, would look at and say, that's wrong. <laughs> in fact, society would have probably said, you know what, that's sinful. You're having a child. You're not married. You know, what's going on here? Right? So Mary and Joseph, though, they were willing to take that step. And granted, because it was, a, it was a big ask, and so God did it in a pretty big way. That's usually not how God asks us to do things, but he did then, because he knew this was big. But they still chose to follow. 
And it was not easy. And I, I think it's important for us to remember that. It was not an easy thing for them. This would have been very real and very difficult for Mary and Joseph. And then on top of that, they have to travel to Bethlehem, you know, at the end of the pregnancy. They get there, and there's no place for them to, to have the baby, and they have to have it in a barn, right? And, and for us, we would have considered they're nice places to have a baby, having it in a barn. But back then, it still would have been, that would have been a rough place to be, right? So all of that's happening. And, and then as cool as it is that the shepherds showed up, right, just put yourself practically there. Would you want a bunch of shepherds showing up an hour after you've given birth? The answer is no, right? <laughs> but yet, what a wonderful story they had, right? And, uh, and, and all of this, we look at this and it's all wonderful, but in the moment, it would have been challenging. But yet, but, it, but Mary is pondering, she's realizing what God is doing through all of this. But you know what? This is just the beginning, this is just the beginning of this family's life. Right? And so things continue on. Things start progressing. And they don't get easier for Mary and Joseph and for Jesus. Right? So they, they go, they take Jesus to the temple, and they have these wonderful blessings by Simeon and Anna. So they're starting off good. They go and end up at some point going back to, to Nazareth. But a few years later, uh, probably two or three years later, these random we call them wise men. They were astrologers. They were people for, they were foreigners. Random foreigners show up and, uh, and, and they're there to honor Jesus. And again, that's a wonderful thing. It's reminding them, hey, this is a special child. It's reminding them of that promise that God had given them. But at the same time, their showing up caused Herod to lose his mind, <laughs> right? And so now they realize we're in grave danger and so now they're having to flee to Egypt. And again, we think of that and we think, oh, so you have to move and you have to go to Egypt. That would be a pain even today. Back then, that was terrifying, right? To pack up and to move to Egypt. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but that part of the world is not the safest place today or back then, right? And so here they're having to go. And they, are, they would have never had to go to Egypt if they wouldn't have said yes to having uh, to God's call, right? That, that's important to know that this is leading to difficult things. They're uprooting their life. They're going to, to fleeing to, to Egypt to make sure that Jesus is taken care of, right? The next thing we see is we have them at, and Jesus is 12 years old and I, I'm sure has brothers and sisters by this time. And they're, they're back in Jerusalem because they are being faithful. They're going through the, the traditions and, and, raising Jesus as he should be raised. And, uh, and of course, something happens. They, they're leaving to go back to Nazareth, and who's not there? Jesus. Can you imagine those conversations between Mary and Joseph? Our one job is to keep up with the Messiah, and now we've lost him. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so there's panic, and they go back, and of course they find Jesus, and it's this really cool picture of, uh, of, of Jesus um, showing who he really is. But they didn't fully understand that. Right? So here's this family going through these normal family things, right? these, these trying times. But things get even more difficult. At this point somewhere, um, we know that Joseph must have passed away. Right? That's not recorded in Scripture, 
But uh, whenever Jesus is on the cross and he basically asked John to take care of his mother Mary, that would not have been needed if Joseph was, uh, was there. Um, and so it's, it's very safe to assume that Joseph passed away. Right? So now they've lost the earthly father of Jesus, but still having to raise Jesus. Right? Still having all of these family dynamics. And then we get to Jesus actually entering into to ministry. And his ministry was different than anyone else's type of ministry. And, and if you've ever been in a family, um, entering into professions can cause stress and does cause stress within families. Right? And, and especially entering into ministry can. But here Jesus is, and what he's proclaiming is very bold. And people, people are split on it. They're either really love Jesus or they're kind of really getting upset. And the family is pulled in. There's two or three places in Scripture that talks about Jesus' family kind of asking him, hey, can you tone it down a little bit? Right? That's a paraphrase. But that's kind of what it is. It's like, man, we, this, is, this is crazy. What are you doing? And, and they, they're always they're supportive of Jesus but they see how the people that are going against him, and of course they don't want people to, to hate their son or their brother, right? And they see this, and people are asking them, saying, hey, what's going on with him? Why is he starting to say all of these things, right? Don't you know, aren't, you're just a carpenter, <laughs> right? So, and it, so you know that that would cause some strife and some difficulty in that family. And then we continue to go on and we find ourselves at the cross. And who's at the foot of the cross is Mary, Jesus' mother. And we have this unbelievable picture of her. I mean, can you, can you imagine? No, you can't imagine, right? Like, I mean, just trying to wrap your head around what that would be like. And here Jesus is saying, John, now this is your mother. Because see, Jesus was the firstborn son. In that culture, the firstborn son was a very, very important figure. It was his responsibility to keep the family together. After the father passes, the next one is the firstborn son. Right? It, he had a big responsibility to that family. And now he, here he is losing his life as well. So this is a family who experienced all the things, same things that we experience. They experience loss. They experience strife within their family. They experience those ups and downs. You know, and as I look at their life, and I look at their family's life, it's important for us to recognize that it's not always easy whenever we follow God's call in our life. And there's no evidence that they were ever unfaithful to God. So this wasn't punishments, right? This was just life happening. But all through it, they remained faithful. And there's a few things that, I, that to me kind of jump out that I think we can apply to our lives as we live our life for God. One is that Mary and Joseph, they trusted God enough to actually obey him. You know, and that, there's a difference between believing in God and even having faith that God exists and trusting him enough to actually obey. Trusting him to say, okay, you know what? I am going to live my life differently. And you know, that, 
That's not easy to do. And in, in fact, as we are, live in a more and more secularized world, it gets more and more difficult to actually live out a different way, right? But it's kind of, it comes down, do we trust God enough to actually obey him? You know, I, I, I nearly cut this from the, the earlier survey, but uh, I was watching on Netflix a show called Narcos, and it's about, uh, and it's kind of loosely based on true uh, events, and, um, and it's about the, the drug trade. And it's fascinating. The human nature aspect of that is always, it's fascinating to me because it is, it is evil. And, uh, and I do not recommend the show unless you know what you're getting into. But, but uh, one thing I was watching a little bit yesterday and I was talking to Molly, I was like, you know, there's, there is somewhat of an appeal if we're honest with ourselves. Wouldn't it be nice to actually have no morals and no care at all, to be completely disconnected? And of course the answer is no, it wouldn't. But, but you look at that, that's, that's crazy, right? And, and the reality is, in some ways, that's an easier life when you just don't have any cares. That's an, now, it may end with <laughs> a bullet, but, uh, but, but it's, you just go and you're like, hey, I don't care about anyone. If someone gets in my way, I'll just take them out, right? That's, in some ways, an easier way to approach life than actually taking a stance that upholds character and integrity and morals and trying to live that life that God has set out for us. Whenever we say, love, Jesus says, love your enemies, that is not easy to do, right? It is not easy to be people of integrity, right? And so the question comes, do we trust God enough to actually obey him? See, and Mary and Joseph, they trusted God enough to actually obey. And I think that was a big part of how they were able to continue to go through the highs and lows of life. Another thing that we see is that they remain faithful through those highs and lows. You know, and, and sometimes remaining faithful is just a choice. That you re- say, you know what, I'm going to remain faithful even though I don't understand what's going on and I don't know why we're having to do this. You know, as they're traveling across the desert going to Egypt, I'm going to say there were thoughts of, are you serious, God? You've already asked us to take care of your son, and now because of that, we're having to drag him to Egypt. That doesn't make sense. And if you listen to just your emotions in that uh, situation, you may say, you know, I don't don't know if I want to do this. Sometimes we just have to choose to be faithful. We have to choose to continue to trust, right? And then what happens is that you start realizing, oh, wait, God is with me on the road from Nazareth to Egypt. God is there, that he's going to get us through these things. But sometimes we do just have to make that choice. But one thing that jumped out to me as I was reading some of these passages about Jesus' family is not only did they trust God and obey God, Not only did they choose to remain faithful to God, but they also chose to remain part of the family of God. They understood the importance of being part of the greater family of God. As you read all of these things, you start to see how other people who were people of faith had a great impact and an encouragement uh, to this family. It starts off, 
as weird as it is that the shepherds showed up, that, wouldn't that be unbelievably encouraging? Because here you've had this uh, angel visit you nine months before, and now you're having a, a baby in a barn. And you're like, how am I going to really know if this really is who uh, God said it was? Well, random people show up and said, hey, an angel just told us to come look for you. And then the whole sky was filled with angels, and they talked about your son. That's a pretty good sign, right? So even though they kind of smelled a lot and there was a really awkward situation, that's really cool. And you realize, oh, God is in this. You know, God uses his family, his extended family, if you will, to be an encouragement to us. They remained faithful. They went to, to the synagogue. They took Jesus to the festivals. They were part of all of this. It was a big deal to them. And then as you see these passages, it'll talk about, and Jesus' brothers and his disciples were together, right? They were in this together. Jesus' brother traditionally is, is James. James ended up writing the book of James probably, and he was one of the main leaders uh, in the early church. And yet there was some tension there, right? But they remained connected with the people of God. And it was it's so important, I think, for us today to remember, yeah, we need to trust God and on, our, on our own. We need to be faithful to God. Those are things that only you can make that decision, right? That's between you and God. But also know that there is some power with the people of God. And that, it doesn't just come from a church family, right? We're not narrowing that down. It's a lot bigger than that, right? But I think it's important for us to know we're not in this alone. God's not asking you to do this alone. That we're part of something bigger. And whatever you may be going through personally or in your family, know that that's normal. And know that God is with you, whether you're on a high right now or whether you're in in a low or you're climbing up or you're sliding down. God is there with you. Choose to trust him, choose to remain faithful, and then allow the family of God to be an encouragement to you. One way that we just encourage to remember that, um, since, well, it's been five years ago now, um, we started off with a tiny little Christmas tree. In fact, it was this Christmas tree right here in in the, the Fleming Center. And what we would do is we would, uh, uh, every family would write their name on an ornament and put the year and, uh, and put it on the tree. And uh, so we've, we've maintained that uh, tradition. And one of the things about that is to remind us that, hey, we're all in this together. And, and I want, this is invited to, to all of you, whether you come regularly to journey or not, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We're part of a bigger family. And so as we leave today, there are ornaments on the tables and Sharpies and paint pens. And so just take an ornament, write your family name on there, and then write all of your individual names if you want to, uh, however you want to do it, and put 2018. Uh, and then we encourage you to hang that on the tree. And, uh, and we, we keep as many of those as we possibly can. Um, the first couple of years, we didn't find unbreakable uh, ornaments. And so there were some families that experienced some lows during the, the hanging of the tree. But, uh, but this, is a, this is a way to just remember that, that God is part of your family and you're part of the family of God. 
And, and that's something that we need to always remember. And uh, no matter what you may be going through, know that God is with you. And just because you're going through difficult times doesn't mean that you're not listening to God. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. The, the family that he chose to bring the Christ child into the world went through unbelievable ups and downs. And God was faithful to them every step of the way, and he'll be faithful to you as well. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have uh, just to worship you, to celebrate who you are, and to remember that we are all part of your family. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, encourage us when we need encouraging, uh, that you will strengthen us, that you will teach us how to live our lives in a way that brings all the glory and honor to you. And Lord, I thank you that we are part of your family. And so as we close today, Lord, just continue to remind us of the love that you have for each one of us and for all of our families. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.